Damn, what a half. I thought it would never end. Dude, what the hell was that in out of time? You heard what the coach said, but you disobeyed him anyway. Yeah, but he really keeps saying the same thing. It's not really that important. But he's right, isn't he? You're a striker. Does it really matter if I'm a striker or not? If I see someone with a better shot on goal than I do, I'm going to give him the ball. Hey, Coach Gandalf, smartass over here needs a reminder. Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. And welcome to Toughcast by two United fans. From Portland, Oregon, this is Notch. And from St. Paul, Minnesota, this is Colin. And Caleb. And ergonomically designed by Apple's Johnny Ive, here's episode 75. That's a that's a deep cut. That's a deep <laughs> cut right there. Oh, one other quick thing I want to explain, which is that uh, these episodes that we record on Skype have just a little bit of a pause between our lines because of uh, Skype delays. So uh, if you if you think that we're being like there are pauses, it's because we're really awkward people and also there's Skype. So, yeah, it's mainly the awkward people part. But <laughs> yeah, very awkward. <laughs> Extraordinarily. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's let's move on to our NASL news because there is. Hey, guess what? Breaking news, guys. Breaking news alert. Yeah, so um, former deposed dear NASL leader Aaron Davidson um, is apparently going to be pleading guilty in the big FIFA bribery case that was brought about. Gosh, was that a year plus now? Yeah, it was a little over a year right after, but in between like the World Cup and... A year ago, so yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, long story short, uh, Traffic Sports, which um, Davidson, I think, was the head of the U.S. division, um, and as such, was uh, the head of the major investor group for uh, the NASL, um, was allegedly involved in a number of kickback schemes related to some of the media rights deals i remember this was the the scandal the last time people said that the nasl was gonna die so um we'll see man we'll see what what happens with uh this case i think there are still more chips to fall if i had to guess with this whole bribery case i don't think we've seen the end of it yet i think there are more uh more people who guys like you know davidson cooperating are gonna bring out of the shadows and and are gonna get indicted and, and caught up in the scandal there's no way it was just these like few people that were arrested last year but let's uh move on to the scandal that is killing nasl this time uh with teams it's not really a scandal teams leaving the league uh neil morris had a report where he said that nasl is currently building a schedule for 2017 with nine teams uh the league would run a balanced 32 game schedule and uh, they would lose Tampa Bay, Ottawa, OKC, and Minnesota United, and they would add the San Francisco Deltas. Uh, the surprise there for me is that Fort Lauderdale seems to be a good bet in terms of this report. Yeah, the word is they'll find new investment in time for 2017 and will not fold, but until something's in writing and signed, we don't really know that. So NSL is kind of going out on a limb and, and assuming that they'll be here next year. The other thing that Neil mentioned is that this is really the best case scenario as opposed to the working scenario. Um, it also does imply that indeed something does work out positively with Fort Lauderdale that 
they're able to stem the tide of any further bleeding. Mm-hmm. But I think it, the, the part that really does surprise me, actually, is the Ryo OKC aspect. We'd heard a lot of really positive momentum out of Oklahoma, but if they're assuming now that OKC is just not going to exist next year, that's that's kind of sad. Uh, yeah, I mean the players there have done such a great job. You know, they continue to. I mean, this past weekend they had they had up to this past weekend they had some pretty good results and they're pushing for the playoffs. I think that's the biggest shame for me. I I was under the impression, given that interview from the Inter- Inverted Triangle podcast of their uh, Spanish director, when he was asked, "Are you going to be there next year?" I think he was non-committal. So yeah, you're right that it wasn't as committal, but at the same time, it was. It seemed as though the the positive vibes that you were getting from that conversation were really just about the fact that instead of looking like they're going to close up shop because they just don't have the money to make it work anymore, that they at least were going to take charge of their own destiny, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, we'll we'll keep 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 tuned for the for the news. Uh, last year, I believe it was was it was in December that we started hearing that the the scorpions and the silverbacks were kaput. Uh, so we, we'll stay tuned and see what happens uh, on the news wires. To keep with the NASL news, just jump to the playoff and implications given this weekend's games, guys. Yeah. yeah so go ahead. Yeah. Long and <laughs> the long and short of it, Ottawa was eliminated when Minnesota United won. And with Caleb is dancing for joy, just yeah, remembering take, that. Take that, Ottawa. Yeah. Also, we won. So, yeah. Sure. Um, so, along with that, um, Minnesota's win also helped to clinch for New York Cosmos. Um, they win both the fall season and the combined table um, with their win and Edmonton's loss. Um, so, this guy result, the- on. Uh- Reddit MLS asked if the Cosmos are the Real Madrid of the NASL. I think it's that they have Fly Emirates on the front of their jerseys, but... (laughs) (laughs) Are they also the Arsenal of the NASL? I would love for the Cosmos to be the Arsenal simply because... They finish in fourth every year? Ooh. I think I think we're we're the Arsenal of of NASL guys, the ones <laughs> yeah. who like everyone says is really good players, have high expectations, and then somehow we never like they never flatter well. to deceive. They just they just end up being so soul suckingly <clears throat> close to being good, and <laughs> then lots you're just in- sad. <laughs> lots of injuries too, and for key players. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Reminder yeah. to listeners that uh, Colin is a Arsenal fan, and and Caleb, you're Liverpool, right? Yes. Yeah, we, yes. we'll get on to that a little bit later in the show. All right, all right. Keep going with the pl- playoff stuff, Kong. Yeah, so um, playoff-wise, Cosmos are going to be <clears> the number one seed in the playoffs. Indy 11, uh, by virtue of the spring championship, they're going to be the second seed. Edmonton is locked in for third, and that means that fourth place is a giant question mark of nobody wanting it. <laughs> It really is. I mean, Tampa Bay and Miami had uh, a 
a great opportunity to go one up on each other. They didn't. It was a beautiful. We'll, we'll talk about the game, I guess. But it, they, they didn't manage to to pull clear. OKC did manage to to post a win and and get ahead of Carolina. So that was pretty. They, they seemed like the only group that was really wanting it. And Fort Lauderdale out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so th- as we look towards this coming week, um, Tampa and Indy is going to be the big midweek matchup in terms of playoff implications. Indy, they really haven't looked as though they're resting players for the playoffs. Um, whereas Tampa, it's pretty much a necessity for them to win in order to keep pace and, um, use this opportunity with a game in hand to get back into the same level as Minnesota and OKC. Um, and then as far as the weekend goes, Fort Lauderdale and Rio play um, at Fort Lauderdale, which doesn't seem like it's going to be that big of a home field advantage. Um, but a loss by Fort Lauderdale would knock them out of the playoffs. Um, and then Carolina hosts Minnesota United. Uh, with a win or a draw by Minnesota, eliminating Carolina. Um, mm. Carolina is really very much on the outside looking in. Um, lowest in points of the teams that are still in it, tied with Miami. Um, but they also have a minus 12 goal differential at this point. So they need a whole lot of help. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota United kind of controls his own destiny at this point. Um at any point, he just Carolina eliminates Carolina. Any win at all eliminates Fort Lauderdale. Uh, wins in both games uh, against uh, Carolina and against the Cosmos would eliminate Miami. And if even if Tim Bay or OTC went out, no, wait, yeah, if they went out, they have to have a plus eight. They have a plus eight goal difference. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Plus so eight goal differential. And I will say this: I I did the math on this before. Um, OKC's weekend game um, but basically with a six goal differential if Minnesota United wins out at the very least they're going to end up on plus eight so that means that OKC would need to win their next two games uh, by I believe I believe they might hold the tiebreaker after goal differential I'm not entirely positive I'd have to check again um, but they would have to make up five goals on them, and Tampa over the next three games would have to make up seven goals. So basically, we have no idea who's going to fourth place, and we probably won't know until the last games are over. So this AP statistics lesson uh, is brought to you by Tempest. <laughs> uh, you can get credit by taking the exam online at collegeboard.org. Uh, but hey, uh, thanks for doing that, Matt. That is important to know, and this is, I mean. I'm I'm on a I'm on a knife's edge, guys. I just want to know at this point. I just want to know if we're gonna make the playoffs. I don't know how long I can keep holding on. The one thing that we do know though is that Hofstra has been ruled out as a stadium for the NASL um, final by the New York Cosmos. This was reported by Fifty Five One, who broke the story. Sure Stadium at Hofstra, home of the New York Cosmos, uh, not such a great stadium. You know, I, I've talked about going and visiting the NASL final last year over there. An atrocious venue, both in terms of just the facilities, the alcohol sales, there are no ATMs on site, the concessions get like 
backed up by 45 minutes. It's it's bad. So they're not going to play there. There's some talk of whether the Cosmos might sell the hosting rights to Indy, for example, which I think would be a terrific idea. Uh, Indy is a, I mean, it's not the best facility in the world, but the atmosphere there is undeniably good. And they, they know how to run uh, an event so that it's fun without like the concessions and everything working um, well. And I know that if we make a, a playoff game, I want to go back to Indy. Because it's the fourth seed, it's very unlikely that we would, for unless we buy the rights, uh, host any of this. So I, I'd like to go back to Indy and, and be, well, watch I mean, another away game there. Yeah, one thing is that if we do get the fourth seed, uh, Minnesota would have to go to um, New York for at least the semifinals. So right. we wouldn't even be able to buy the rights for the finals from them. Um, and I did check at least on their website... They are planning for a semifinal game to be at Short. Um, at least that's right. what it says in their ticket banner. So, yeah, this is only I believe for the final. So uh, they're thinking right. about ruling Short out. So it might the semifinal might still be over there. Um, it would be good for us if they moved it from Short because the turf surface is uh, does make a difference, and our our home away record is is not so great. Anyway, let's uh, instead of talking about possible games in the future, we should talk about current games. And the first one to discuss is Jacksonville versus Jacksonville Armada versus Indy Eleven, which ended nil nil in front of a gigantic crowd of twelve hundred people. Um, I mean, you yeah. say gigantic jokingly, but compared to a lot of attendances this week, it is pretty gigantic. <laughs> um, Four hundred some people in OKC. Yeah, it really didn't. This game, not much happened. Uh, majority of the chances surprisingly went Jacksonville's way, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But neither team can break through. Uh, defense for both teams was pretty solid all game. Hey, I, speaking of the little draws, I want to talk a, very quickly about Liverpool versus Manchester United or what was supposed yeah. to be like <laughs> the game of the century. The Klopp versus Mourinho. Death match. Two coaches go in. One coach comes trust. out. What happened? I, I didn't read news about this game. Basically, what happened was Mourinho took, brought his bus from Chelsea and parked it right on Anfield. Did they put new and stickers on it, at least? Like, or was it a I, blue I bus? I hope so. Still? I mean, got to keep those up to date. But um, I think the best chance probably did go to Man United. Zlatan Ibrahimovic missed a wide open unmarked header. So good for him. Just come to Minnesota and store those <laughs> instead. So, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, if he is gonna miss those complete sitters then yeah he, he should probably go to minnesota united and do that because <laughs> we we specialize in it but really uh david de gea really won the game for uh, not won the game but won the point for man united uh a belter from like 25 30 yards by coutinho i still don't know how de gea saved it but that and a pretty good chance by emory chan who's a defensive midfielder um another good save by de gea but was it a fun game to watch like, was it at least enjoyable? I, I actually didn't watch it. I listened to the Liverpool uh, radio team oh. online, which was pretty fun. It was pretty fun, actually, to hear like you hear the stands, you hear the atmosphere really yeah. into it, because like, you don't okay. hear that much on TV. But it was not a fun game to watch or listen to. Um, okay. All right. There was a little Too controversy bad. with the referee, but he did all right, I guess. There is, uh, by the way, you, you guys are joking about Ibra coming to MLS, and that's been a story for a while. We don't know what he's going to do next year. But uh, there are two other Manchester United players who have been linked to moves to America. Both Rooney's getting a lot of flack for losing form in the English Premier League this year. And Bastian Schweinsteiger has, of course, fallen out with uh, El Jose. So um, 
conversations about both guys, I think. I think Schweinsteiger is the one that there seems to be more concrete rumors, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rooney goes for the big bucks and uh, decides to park his um, himself over, over stateside. I think Rooney would rather go to um, another pr- uh, Premier League team. Maybe not the top tier anymore, but one of those second tier teams like uh, Everton. He, wouldn't, he would never go to Liverpool. But go back to Everton or go to maybe um, mm. Tottenham or if West Ham can regain their form, one of those teams in second tier of English League football. Can I just say that it warms my heart so much that you called Tottenham a second tier team? <laughs> yeah, that, that was just like, ah, swoon. Yeah, I didn't say Arsenal in that. So you're, you're welcome. They're still top tier. Exactly. Exactly. As of right now. But uh, I don't think. I think he's too competitive and really wants to keep his place in the England team. And the way mm-hmm. one way to do that is, is still playing in England. As far as Schweinsteiger goes, I think he is probably past his expiration date. Um, that said, oh. you look at how well Andrea Pirlo has played for New York City FC this year, and I could kind of see that sort of model working out in Schweinsteiger's favor if he went to a team like the Chicago Fire um, or Minnesota United. Or Minnesota United. <laughs> I, I would, I would much rather face Schweinsteiger than have him in my team, if we're gonna be totally honest. Because I do think that one of the good things that MLS does have is a number of very strong, athletic players. So I, I would think that maybe some of, some of his technical skills that are still there in spades, um there's a way to exploit them if you just blitz him like crazy. And I I think that you could, you could see him be very successful. You could see him completely flame out and need to retire. Um, For me, speaking of uh, flaming out and needing to retire, uh, I need to segue us to the next game, which Carolina managed to flame out and retire from the (laughs) field, having lost zero to one to Raya OKC uh, causing, Desperate damage to their uh, playoff hopes. Michel Mabel scored in the 82nd minute. He also earned a Player of the Week award. Well-deserved well uh, three goals in the two games they had this week. Um, Michel coming fr- to OKC from FC Dallas um, really has played well and is either third or second in the um, Golden Boot, which is a pretty impressive, even though seven mm-hmm. of his, I think, 14 goals now have come from the penalty spot. Um, yeah. Why don't we talk about that second uh, OKC game while we're at it, too? Sorry to make you guys scroll down in the notes. Just because we're on the topic um, of OKC. They beat Ottawa 3-1. Yeah, uh, Gentile gets the goal for for Ottawa. um, This time of a cross from Carl Harworth. Gentile has been scoring like crazy, but they couldn't build on that. Um, A comical uh, defensive mistake by the Ottawa defense. Two defenders run into each other and I encourage all listeners to watch the highlights because there's like when they made contact with each other there's a com- like, there's like someone hit, hits like the boards on the stands or something right in time with that so it sounds like they're doing it yeah it, I, it was either the boards or like somebody stomped on the metal stands or something but it's just like it's, they hit each other and it's like clank and they bounce off uh, Pizer apparently ate too many baguettes with jelly before the game and Tries to grab the ball and slips to Footy Danso's feet, who centers it to Michel, who easiest goal of the of his season so far, and just side foot side foots it in. 
I just want to say that is like the musical goal because you got Hold Me Closer, Footy Danso passing the ball to uh, Michel Mabel. And hey. <laughs> my life is complete, guys. My life <laughs> is now complete. I All want right, nothing over. more. <laughs> um, Billy but, Forbes with the goal, guys. Uh, yeah, he's Billy someone Forbes. that I'd forgotten existed after we hyped him up so much early on in the season. Like, uh, I, ah, man, I really miss, miss that dude just tearing it up. Well, it was against us and a bunch of other teams that, uh, you know, it wasn't for Minnesota. But I, I, I do miss seeing him, like, just clean up in the NASL. Yeah, it, it is a little bit surprising that he hasn't done as well. I, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but he kind of reminds me of Lance Lang this year where, you know, hmm. certainly a fantastic player, um, but I think needs a specific system that lets him play out on the wing the way that he wants to. Maybe it's just not a good fit at Rio. Um, I think especially now that he's not been playing for Ellen Marcina, that might have helped or hindered. Who knows? Yeah. But but he just well, a goal and an assist to uh, last goal, Dan by Michelle, Billy Forbes, dances on the edge of the bots, passes in the middle. Again, a really easy, op- almost open net goal for Michelle. Speaking of um, this game, we should mention that there were about 900 people in the stand. And another game that had horrible, horrible attendance was Fort Lauderdale versus FC Edmonton, where 418 people showed up to the Broward County Cricket Ground. That is Holy not... crap. It is not a typo. I repeat, it is not a typo. That's like family and friends. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That, like that... that bring your family to work day and only Fort Lauderdale players participated and they still only had 418. Like, of course, Jason Mora scored the one goal and he's like, guys, I did it. Oh my God, look at, oh, there's nobody there. Everybody I want to it. celebrate in the stands, but oh, you're not there. It leaps into like just empty seats and like... <laughs> there is actually, I forget, there was one player, like I think it was from like the, the Scandinavian leagues where several years ago he like scored a goal and then jumped into the stands, sat down and clapped for himself and then ran back onto the pitch. That was this year. <laughs> I remember that. That was this year. That was early, earlier this season. Really? No, this is yeah. like a GIF I watched a long time ago. So then this oh. has become like a popular... They, they probably put it in FIFA and then like other players saw it and now they copycat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, let's let's keep let's keep going, guys, because um, otherwise we'll we'll get stuck. Miami versus Tampa Bay Rowdies. All right, this was the big one. Yeah, uh, Fort Lauderdale Edmonton was the one World Sports game of the week, but it really should have been this one. Um, mm-hmm. Jamie Chavez, I, wow, I don't know what else to say. Goal of the year candidate for sure, for sure. It was, was it a long volley from somewhere like near midfield? It was near midfield, but it was the opposite opposite side of the pitch. And then, yeah, it was like from left midfield <laughs> down to the exact corner of the 18 on the right-hand side. And just a one-time volley on... F- yeah, yeah. Wow. Incredible, incredible goal by Jaime Chavez. You gotta go. If you haven't watched it, go watch it right now. You will not regret it. This is one of those goals that, like, you know, they say that it, you'll be watching this goal for years to come. And if the NASL had any uh, sort of broadcast footprint, you would. But as it happens, you probably won't watch it very much after this year. That said, it it was the number one play on Sports Center that night. So, 
True. Yay. True. Very true. <laughs> uh, uh, Miami really should have probably been up two goals by that point. In the first minute, uh, it was uh, Blake Smith had a one-on-one chance with the keeper and just skies it over the goal. And then li- just 10 minutes later, Poku had an open net and a man who was onside to the side to the pass it to and just kind of shoots it and hits off a Tampa Bay defender's knee. Um, but Poku would put them up two with a, from a through ball from Chavez. Um, so they're up to nothing. And then uh, Georgie Hristov heads one in the back on that to pull one back before halftime for Tampa Bay. Yep, we were yep, all on half. Twitter praying at this point. I was I was on Twitter. I, I started watching around the time the third goal was scored uh, in this game. So it was 2-1 to Miami. And all of Twitter, Minnesota United Twitter, was praying for that second Tampa Bay goal. That was funny. Yeah, sure enough. Second half rolls around. Joe Cole dribbled around the Miami box. He was able to pull the ball, or ball back up to Wangera near the top, side foots it past Vega. And then after that, about 25 minutes of just nothing too important happening. Uh, Miami had a couple of chances late, didn't really amount to anything. Yeah. Our, our prayers were answered. Got one more goal. Seriously. And and, and then oh, afterwards, like, our players were going on Twitter and saying, like, oh, my God, okay, now it's, like, it's on, guys. And uh, for me, it was kind of interesting <laughs> to see, like, them being as kind of wrapped up in this game involving other teams as we were, like, publicly wrapped up. And it was cool. I think Danny Cruz was one of the guys who posted, uh, uh, you know, now we got to deliver kind of tweet. It was pretty cool. All right, well, let's take a break at this point, guys, and we will be back with some more news, reviews, and action. Welcome back to Toughcast. This is Caleb. This is Colin. And I'm Notch. So, Bob Bradley. Yeah, back. Uh, not back. In the Premier League, first American coach to coach a top flight uh in Europe, and in his first game, three uh, two against Arsenal, they lose to Theo uh, Walcott doing good things for once. Yeah, so I know that we don't really cover that much of the nitty gritty with Arsenal, uh, much to my chagrin. But uh, one of the big surprises this year has been that Theo Walcott actually has a work rate over zero. Um, he's actually been trying. He's actually been running in for goals. Um, and because of that, you know, he really did force the issue for, you know, the, especially that first goal, he was able to muscle out, get enough space and then, you know, create the mistake, so to speak. Um, that said, Bob Bradley's side did show some fight back, particularly in the second half. They were able to, um, keep it close, drew a, a, questionable red card on uh granite shaka um apparently he kicked a guy and, man he i looked at that replay and he kicked out like lashed out at a dude i think that red card i i can't believe people were like saying it wasn't deserved see, it was totally a, a red i didn't um, think the kick out was that bad i think it was a but, late tackle on something that always gets shown a yellow I, I was, uh, I got to say, my biggest surprise of this game was seeing Bob Bradley come out, uh, you know, with a open carry revolver and a cowboy hat, eating a burger with fries. Um, 
it was it was very much exactly what the English had feared would happen when an American manager got brought into the English Premier League. Yeah, the it, it was remarkable how much hate Bob Bradley was getting, despite the fact that Even, he managed the U.S. national team ahead of England in a World Cup, managed the Egyptian team towards at least relative success, you know, getting them back to the level that they were supposed to be at a time when the country was literally in a civil war <laughs> and then proceeded to have good results in a couple of different outposts in Europe. You know, it's, it, his why team, wouldn't he be ready to manage in the Premier League? His team at Norway also had very limited resources and were predicted to go down to the sudden tier. And he kept them up and did very well with them this two, with his two seasons there. So Swansea should feel very happy he's, that he's worked with limited resources before. Um, there's a lot of money in the Premier League, Premier League but comparatively to, to other teams, they're kind of the lower budgets. And he can get the most out of players that he has and make kind of thrifty purchases here and there. Well, we'll see what happens on that front. I mean, we just have to follow. And every time he plays, basically all of America is going to be like, oh my God, don't screw up, bro. Come on, you, you, our reputation's riding on the line. Uh, let, returning back to NASL games, you got Fort Lauderdale Strikers versus Port Rico FC that occurred, and Fort Lauderdale won this game 2-0 to bring themselves into contention for the playoffs, and in fact, this would be, I believe, the fifth straight time the Fort Lauderdale Strikers will have made the NASL playoffs if they make it this year. <laughs> Which is, it's it's astounding considering the fact that they've got Jason Mora playing meaningful minutes in the stretch <laughs> run and they are still in contention it's even more surprising that he's scoring during his minutes it's at this insane. point are we the ones who are like you know are we the ones that fall for underestimating him or no because i mean the no. other thing no. is no Fort lauderdale strikers have no. managed to do this every year despite no. being run by Wrong. traffic sports for a while and being uh uh what's it called uh, run by this u- current unit that seemed cash-trapped as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't... I honestly don't know what you were asking because we were doing... We were too busy making no. the exact same jokes as each other at the same time. And then we and did just... an Air 5, and then we came back, and then you asked the question, and we're just like, uh... I'm telling you, this surly See, darkness is making this episode this very, very weird. I, I, you know, veteran Minnesota United podcaster brings on two rookies and like, you know, I, I, I try guys. I try every week. Uh, and, uh, man, man, this is, uh, all these in jokes, all these kids coming in here with their, with their whippersnapper humor. And I'm sitting here across the country, like just, uh, you know, drinking my water, whether you guys are drinking your beer, no respect. I get no respect. Not just any beer, 12% beer. Darkness is 12%? Yes, it is. Especially when it ages for a year. Now, the aging doesn't change the alcohol content. It just makes it even more delicious and smooth. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've always... I I think I've had it once, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. It's uh, Maybe next year I'll get into the hype. I always miss Darkness Day because I'm traveling. But hey, getting back to this game, guys. uh, Should we talk about anything in this Fort Lauderdale port like for? Puerto Rico FC game? Uh, no, not that's really. a no. no. That's a no. no? So okay. let's move on to Jacksonville Armada versus New York Cosmos. <laughs> Ended two goals to four 
Cosmos putting four uh, cannon shots into the uh, or broadsides into the armada, uh, and and taking it away. So here's here's a weird stat: six goals in the game, only one involved an assist. Really? Yeah, yeah. So so there were I think let's see one two. Yes, three goals that came off of uh, goalkeeper rebounds, and then two that came off of free kicks. Um, it, Let me guess, really Miguel Gallardo was in goal for Jacksonville. What was that? I said, let me guess, Miguel Gallardo was in goal for Jacksonville. Uh, yes. Yes, he, yes, he was. How, how did you know that, Match? What a coincidence. <laughs> but, you know, in, in all seriousness, it was a lot more even of a game than... The scoreline will give it credit for. Um, they're really just minute edges and shots and possession and passes. Um, but the game just kind of blew open after about the 79th minute. Uh, Steinberger was able to uh, get a rebound goal off of an Alisson Keita shot. And by the way, Alisson Keita had maybe the most Alisson Keita possible night. So he gets the equalizing goal. Gets a yellow card right after it. He takes that shot that leads to a rebound goal by Steinberger. And then after Juan Arango scores on a free kick that bounces off the bar, he yells at the ref long enough to get a second yellow card and gets himself sent off. <laughs> this is peak Al-Hassan Keita. You just I'm got sorry. Here. That's oh probably the dumbest God. second yellow card ever. To yell at the ref, he's like, no, just stop. Oh, no. Keep I... yelling, keep yelling. Just no, come on. Yeah. I... Fine. Fine, yellow card, you're out of here. I've seen a second yellow given for somebody taking his shirt off in a goal celebration. So, no, there's there's dumber out there, I, but I was going to say, that's was that my also favorite. Kata? And that was a former San Antonio <laughs> Scorpion when he was playing for Vancouver Whitecaps. He was a French player, and I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, my God. Can't believe I'm forgetting this. Oh, geez. Dude is, like, huge, too. Oh, my God. How am I forgetting this? Anyway, whatever. Um. Hey, let's move on very quickly to Indy versus Carolina before looping back to the game that we do want to talk about a lot. Indy putting three past the Railhawks, and this, again, truly put, like, you know, the second-to-last nail in Carolina's coffins as far as the playoffs are concerned. I needed to put Neil Morris's Twitter on suicide watch during this game because he was just sad. (laughs) Oh. Oh. And he was sad in a southern accent, too, which is, like, even sadder. Than, than normal. It's like dad crying and then southern accent depression sound are like the two things that just get me like, oh. Right, right, exactly. But Carolina continues to mess around with their formation. This time, this game they went for uh, 3 5 2 3 at the back. Um, sudden, third to last game, they should have decided on one formation that works for them, right? This is This tinkering is not going well for them yeah it's it's been weird variations of a three-man midfield two up top and this one didn't work the last one didn't work maybe like colin clark just has like uh nasl fifa mod and like every week he just tinkers around you know how how you do in the game the game like i do that i change my formations all the time nothing bad happens so he's like all right let's try this in the game this time like connor tobin was really good like as the one defender uh, while everyone else was at uh, as a forward, you're talking to a couple of football manager players. Thank you very much. Oh, tinker ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm but the plebe one, over here. Huh? One really quick note about football manager. 
I don't know if you've seen this yet, but apparently there is a mod in the new version of Football Manager 17 that makes it so there's different levels of havoc caused by Brexit. <laughs> yeah, so Which is fantastic. Yeah, so what it'll do there's there's an AI thing that gives you like eight different possible scenarios where either it's there's a free movement of workers so you know you can still have the same rules all the way to every single player that is brought in from somewhere else in the EU needs to have a work permit and there oh, is wow. a Scotland devolution where they join the EU where Scotland is exempt from all of these rules, and yet the rest of the UK has to follow them. It's fantastic. Man, you guys are such big nerds, it's not even funny. <laughs> so I, I wish I had enough time to get into Football Manager, man. I, I, like, I really like hear so many cool things about it, but I, I feel like figuring it out takes so long, and I just I, I barely have time to play like Mass Effect. Uh, I, I barely have time to play with my building blocks, and I... Don't think I have enough time to dedicate to football manager. Yeah, you need to at least make like five minutes out for Lincoln Logs before you can jump to football manager. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, one game that I did make some time to watch uh, this weekend was Minnesota United versus FC Edmonton. I'm pretty sure I bit off all of my nails um, before the game. But I did watch it, and it ended 3-1 in front of uh, 8,000 people at NSC, and I got some nice close-ups of the Dark Cloud section, which tore my heart apart because I wanted to be there with you guys, but I couldn't uh, because it ended really well. This was a good game. Like, we it, showed up. It Ibsen was weird. showed up. It was weird leaving the Nessie and not hating everything. <laughs> yeah, I drove happy home from Nessie, which I haven't done in a long time. I I think I probably said maybe a total of seven words in the last, like, month and a half driving away from Nessie from <laughs> Blaine to Bloomington. And I, I was, like, talking up a storm to the point that my wife was like, can you just shut up and drive, please? <laughs> but in any case, it, there was another questionable moment um, where Minnesota seemed to be completely losing a game uh, when, in the 16th minute, Albert Watson was able to score off of kind of a comedy of errors in the box. So... Tell us what yeah, happened. Uh, uh, so, what did happen? A uh, low free kick from out to the box. Sammy does to cradle it, uh, slips off from under him, and then Albert Watson hits it near post and squeezes it in. Um, that's the quick version. So, Here's the long version. Yeah. So, um, and I'll preface it by saying this: I always sit right behind that goal, just about level with the right side of the six-yard box. So. This happened directly in front of me and angered me to no end. Um, during the setup for the wall, um, they had four guys in there, and Sammy and Jock was yelling and screaming to get them to change their placement. It never happened, and, and Jock had to adjust kind of last second for a hole in the wall that would have allowed a low straight near post shot um that hole in the wall just so happened to be where danny cruz ducked down into a sprinter mode and charged towards the ball um so it, there was a lot of anger and frustration about that one um luckily though things ended up 
three goals to the better after that. Yeah, Ramirez with two, uh, Pino with the last one. But that second goal by Ramirez was fantastic team play goal. Yeah, again, sitting directly in front of it. Ibsen was able to just pop it up off the volley and get it centered back for Ramirez when he was just at the top of the six. And it, it was a thing of beauty. A great ball by Venegas, too, who really looked sharp that game. Uh, he even come, came back from injury. Didn't look, look like his full, healthy self until uh, last Saturday. And great ball from him up to Ibsen. And just those three guys, well yeah. done. Absolutely. Just fantastic. I, th- I think it was powerful that this game not only featured goal, like a victory for us, but it had... Three goals were the first team, I think, since like last October or something like that to score three goals against FC Edmonton. Uh, we are also, the, the goals are beautiful. They were like nice, wonderful goals. We saw a guy that we were worried was going to be injured, score those goals. And then Pino comes back and puts one into it. I mean, it had like all of those things that you need for like a really happy narrative. Uh, I would say, like, this game wasn't just a win. It was, like, a beautiful win that had a lot of subtle points that left you feeling, like, hopeful and happy, which is, of course, now puts us in a prime condition to have all those hopes destroyed. Um, Right. I think this is the, like, ceremonial moment, guys. As Minnesota sports fans, we have to be, like, cynical again uh, for a little while. Yeah. Um, Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've already had my cynical... Minnesota sports fan moment when there was like the briefest of hopes that somebody was going to be bringing a NWSL team to the Twin Cities only to figure out that not only was that guy behind a number of very questionable business deals uh, but also that he had zero interest in moving FC Kansas City to the Twin Cities at this time Uh well yeah I, I, I do think that we do get a NWSL squad, especially if this week's U.S. Women's National Team game goes well, uh, that might that might be uh, something that that I think does happen because I, there's enough momentum here, and and women's teams have such a rich history within the Twin Cities areas too. You know, with the Lynx being the most successful sports franchise within the Twin Cities, that I, I think it would be a good bet to to bring one in, particularly with that new beautiful new stadium coming in. But we'll stay tuned for that. One other soccer story I do want to bring up, which is from Italy. Mauro Icardi, who's the, well, now former captain of Inter Milan. Did you guys see this? Did, did not. This is incredible. The dude releases an autobiography, which, like, he is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but soccer players sometimes release uh, biographies before they have really reached any, like, stage in life where you'd be like, all right, now it's time to reflect. Like, Icardi's 23. Um and he has an autobiography out. I'm pretty sure like Neymar had one at 21 or some crap like that. Anyway, yeah. the point is he released an autobiography where last year he talked about an incident where after a 3-1 defeat to another team in, in the league, uh, the, the leader of the Ultras had taken a shirt that was handed over to a, a kid. Like Icardi had given a shirt to a kid and one of the leaders of the Ultra grabbed it from the kid's hand and threw it back at Icardi. And apparently Icardi, like, confronted this guy and, like, had it out with him uh, and became a locker room hero. Like, everyone in the locker room was like, oh, yeah, finally someone showed. Because the ultras in Italy tend to be, like, hardcore, um, like, hard men types who are pretty hard to stand up to. I think it was two years ago or something. I forget the team exactly. Maybe it was Parma. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Where the the... 
uh, ultras after a game insisted on all the players. I think it was like during a game insisted that all the players on the team take off their jerseys because they weren't worthy of wearing the crest. I don't know if you guys remember this story, but like the ultras in Italy tend to be like hardcore people. So to see Icardi stand up to this dude was like a big thing for his fellow players. And then he published a uh, autobiography where he talked about this conversation that occurred in the locker room. And he basically quoted himself boasting. Uh, I'm going to try to see if I can find you guys the the quote here. He, he said, um, how many are there? 50, 100, 200? He's talking about the ultras. Okay, record my message and listen. let him listen. I'll bring 100 criminals from Argentina who'll kill them where they stand and then we'll see. And Icardi's an Argentinian here, so that's the context. So he's essentially oh, threatening the ultras with bringing like Jesus Christ. Argentinians to like, murder these guys. So the those ultras are absolutely the last people I would ever want to piss off. By the way, like if if you are not all that abreast of ultra culture in Europe, it, it's horrifying. <laughs> It is. It is. It's really scary. And so these so these ultras now protested and insisted that the team remove him from captainship, which they have. And then they put up this like, you know, you know how you've seen like the the pro rail bedsheet banner at Minnesota United. Now just think about a, like a longer version of that. A poorly painted white sheet long that basically said um and and the quote was it was placed outside his house and it said by the ultras we are here where are your argentinian mates will you tell us or are you a bastard like always (laughs) can you imagine like how scary that's gonna be so long story short he'll be transferred in january right oh my god it's madness and he's like their best player uh and he's a good striker so like essentially his own fans have chased him out and some other team is gonna feel super lucky but yeah, this is he's like been, the classic European weird scandal. He's been linked to Chelsea and Arsenal in the past couple of transfer windows. So. He has indeed, and I have followed those Arsenal rumors very intently because I've I've been a huge fan of his. I think that he he is a heck of a goal scorer. Um, I I question his leadership after all of this, but yeah, just, just he's twenty three. He'll be fine. <laughs> like. I don't know why you make a 23-year-old a captain in the first place. Like, of a, I, I, Maybe I'm too traditional like that, but I feel like a top division side of one of the big five leagues, your captain has to be someone who's like, you know, 72 or some like dotty age. <laughs> little uh-huh. old-fashioned there, Notch. Yeah, right. just, just a touch. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, one more thing. We are continuing to talk about how our podcast is going to evolve in the next couple of weeks. So there are going to be some new changes uh, maybe even a new name for the pod, some new format, uh, some new things that we talk about go starting at the end of this NASL season. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Tell your friends about this pod. We do list, like to have more and more people listen to us. So, so share the love. Uh, all right, guys, where can the good people find you on Twitter? They can find me at The Attachment. You can find me at Olson 716 and you can find me at TWO United Fans, which is the official account of this podcast. All right, folks, with that, you should have a great rest of your week, and hopefully, this will be an action packed week of games. Goodbye, everybody. So long. See ya. What the-